Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more, talking sports, Uh, yes we do. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show, the Super Bowl preview edition of Ray and Tay Today. And I'm Ray Tall Ray Sign. And I'm Tay Eric Taylor, and it is finally here. Super Bowl Friday, Super Bowl 50 is this Sunday, and we're going to talk about it. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, your emails, your predictions. We got some emails coming in for these picks. Ray and Tay today at gmail.com. Check out the website, rayandtaytoday.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, iTunes. We are everywhere. We are live right now talking about the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great game. We'll end the show. We'll, you know, get into a little bit of National Signing Day, College Hoops, a big weekend, and Super Saturday. It's going to be a good basketball weekend. The big game, Warriors against OKC. We'll talk about it. Let's talk NFL first. Ray, before we get to all the good stuff, let's talk about some of this nonsense. Well, the commissioner's on live talking um, about the, you know, super state of the union of the NFL. They do that Super Bowl weekend. We'll get into our Hall of Fame picks and stuff like that. But the news that everyone's talking about, your boy Johnny Manzizi, Johnny Football, not only on March 9th will it be cut, but he might be suspended. Um, another investigation, I guess allegations came out that he, his ex-girlfriend said that he hit her. What are your thoughts? Do, do we need to say, look, Cowboys or who, anybody, don't, don't sign this guy. Let him get himself right before he even attempts to do anything with football. And how long do you think the NFL or will the NFL suspend Jonathan Manziel? I believe that if there's three strikes on a guy, the NFL is definitely going to do something. Now, depending on how severe it is, it might be a game or two. And I don't know if that's enough. Did you hear his father? His father said something like, we don't know if this kid is going to make it to his 24th birthday. I'm thinking, wow, if that's not a red flag – when your father is saying that, then what is? Do they so just not? Right. He doesn't listen to his parents at all. I mean, this is that's not good. No, it apparently doesn't listen to his coaches or his GMs either, because you know I'm sure Ray Farmer and 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 the whole you know the whole Cleveland Browns organization has had several sit downs with him. So I don't know what it is if you need to shake him if you need to slap him around or what, but nothing's worked so far. Tough love, soft love, no love. You know what I mean? Kevin love, maybe Kevin love should talk to him. I mean, you can (laughs) see him there with him. You are crazy. I I don't know what's going on, but, but no kind of love is working with this guy. So maybe a suspension. I don't know. A a new team for sure. I mean, I don't think this guy's going to get banned from football. So he's obviously going to be on somebody's roster next year. And, you know, I hate to say it, and it's not because I'm a Cowboy fan, but 
teams that maybe have an infrastructure of having dealt with problem, you know, players and people with issues. Cowboys are one of them. Uh, I don't know who else, but there's got to be five, ten teams that are probably more equipped to deal with this guy than other people. Because it's a shame for his sake that he's a really talented guy, right? We keep talking about he's not Gino Toretta. I mean, this guy is, and no, no disrespect to Gino Toretta, won a Heisman, but you knew that he wasn't really a pro, uh, a really strong pro prospect. This guy can play in the NFL, and it's too bad he's ruining his career. Some people would say he's just Joe Namath. The problem is there's, you know, there are cameras in front of him all the time, and people are Instagramming and 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 taking evidence of what he's doing off the off the field. But you know what? That's the world we live in. No, but clearly something is wrong because to go AWOL right before the last week 17, when you know you weren't playing and you were supposed to report to your team, that's that's huge. I mean, even <laughs> Travis Benjamin was on NFL Network the other night, and they he was like. Uh, yeah, we, we were kind of surprised, like shocked, you know what I mean? And he's in a costume. I mean, that, that's too much. I mean, it, it, look, if he didn't want to play in Cleveland, he definitely did some antics to get out of there. But I'm starting to think that it's not even that he wanted to get out of Cleveland. I don't think he's, he's, uh, he's on automatic pilot. He's got no control anymore. That's, that's how right. There's a report that's just come out that says that he's refused to go to rehab twice just this past week. <clears throat> yeah, heavy denial. Heavy, heavy, heavy denial. But you know what? Let's leave it alone. Let's talk some positive things with football, the NFL. We're very excited about the Super Bowl this weekend. But before we get to the NFL honors and our predictions with that of the postseason awards and our potential Hall of Famers that might get in, Another off-the-field thing, and this one is with a potential Hall of Famer who should have been in years ago in our mind, the snake, Ken Stabler, stage three of CTE they found in his autopsy. Uh, you know, it, it's not – I guess there's not much to say about it except it's sad and, you know, the education is key and it's coming. But at the same time – you know, we watched the 85 Bears last night on ESPN, and a lot of these guys say, even with what happened to Dave Dorson and even what McMahon's going through, they would do it all over again, Ray. They would play it. That's the no crazy part. That's the, but, but you know what? Some people are – most people say that, but even on our show, Wesley Walker said he would reconsider playing football, and he doesn't want his kids to play football. Antoine Randall L. Is Harry Carson. Chosen a Harry Carson sport. came out strong. No football for his grandkids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So hold on, we got a caller. Maybe caller wants yeah. to chime in a little bit about football. Hello, caller. Hello. I'm here with Ray and Tane. Hey, it's Seth from Manhattan. Hey, John, Seth, how's it going? going? It's good. How are you guys? Oh, it's Seth. We're how doing are good, you? Man. Hey, what's going on? What's on your mind? Not much. Uh, I want to talk to Super Bowl. I want to hear what you guys think. And also, I'm also it's kind of um, a tricky game for me. It looks too easy for Carolina in this game. What do you guys think? Well, well, we're going to get into that all. all yeah, episode, we're going to get into but... it. You know what? Let me, let, me, let me tell this to Seth real quick. Seth, you're right. It does seem that, that it's almost tricky, right? Because everyone and their mama, except for Trent Dilfer maybe, is picking the Panthers uh, to win. And the spread in Vegas, yada, yada, and Vegas is hardly ever wrong. But I will say this. 
it it's pretty simple in the sense that you saw what the Broncos did to the Patriots, but the Panthers have a running game and a better offensive line and a quarterback that's mobile. Manning, basically, he needs Demarius Thomas to show up, and he's going to have to get the ball in the seams down the middle to Daniels, Sanders, and guess what? Vernon Davis, coming back home to San Francisco, needs to – Oh, represent the guy from represent Maryland. Joe, Joe Put him in there. You're waiting to put him in there. No, no, but he's got to show up. He has the, the talent to do it, and they've got to work the mid, middle of the field. Manning cannot throw it outside anymore. And these linebackers and the corners, you know, they can pick it off and take it to the house, as we've seen. So, Well, Car- the Carolina defensive line is kind of banged up. Jared Allen's not healthy, and Thomas Davis, I don't expect to play a full game with his broken forearm, I think. I think that that prop that under five and a half tackles is looks is a lock. I don't think he's gonna be playing much of a difference. But yeah, their defense is very, very good. And the Broncos defense will have to step up and I think they will. And the only way Denver wins I see is an ugly game which like a third a fifth and I predict a seventeen fifteen Carolina, one of those ugly games that you know, like it's New England game. You're That's right. I, I agree with I, I think it comes down to style. If you look at Carolina and even back to, you know, week 15, they scored 38 against the Giants. Remember that Beckham, when Beckham and Norman mm-hmm. were going back yeah. and forth. And then they scored 20 in their loss to the Panther, to the, uh, sorry, to the Falcons. Then they beat the Bucks and scored 38. And then in the playoffs, they scored 31-49. So this team, if they're on offensively, is going to run away from Denver. So the only way Denver wins is if Denver keeps it a low-scoring game. I don't know about ugly. Maybe ugly, too. But they definitely have to keep it low-scoring. And the pressure is all on the Denver defense. I think Peyton Manning is limited in what he can do uh, and how many points he can generate. So, you know, maybe 20, 24. So if this is a 30-point game, Denver loses and may even get blown out. So I agree with that. We're going to give you our, our exact predictions later in the show. But I think you call it spot on. I think it's a style. Denver needs to run the ball. I think Ronnie Hillman might be the key. You have to you have to keep the ball. Time of possession. Denver needs to play. Now you're probably too young for this, but Denver needs to play the game that the Giants played in 2000 against the Bills. The Bills were by far the better team. They had all yeah. the Hall of Famers. They had Kelly and Rice and Thurman Thomas and and, and a great defense. Tally and Bruce Smith. And, and lip it, the, the the boys, but the Giants controlled the ball. I think it was 39 minutes in time of possession, and they came down to a missed field goal, and they won 20 to 19. And that's about what Denver has to do here, because if both teams are at their best, I think Carolina runs away. Yeah, but also yeah. I think the Super Bowl is a very jittery game, and the first quarter is always ugly. And if it turns out ugly, which I think that Carolina might come out with uh, – because they're the favorite and they have the more to prove in this game. So if they come out playing, like, not as well, not as best, that's going to give the Broncos defense tremendous confidence, momentum. Instead of Peyton Manning, if he makes one or two good throws at the beginning, he could start – I wouldn't say feeling it completely because he doesn't have any feeling in his fingers, but he would start <laughs> he, would, he could start getting some momentum in a little bit. And if it's a, if it's a first quarter, it's a close game, I don't expect this to be a blowout then. But if – Carolina's game to the over in the first five minutes, or it's going to be a close game. That's how I look at it. It's fine yeah, no, because if you look at, if you look at the first half, Carolina has just jumped all over their opponents in the first half. You know, the the, the twenty one nothing, or the twenty four nothing again, or thirty one, <laughs> no, thirty one nothing against thirty one against Seahawks. Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was. That they've started 
recently, they've just pounced on their opponents. So even more of a reason for Denver to keep this game close for confidence, right? And maybe you shake Carolina's confidence. And, and you know what? Jared Allen's playing on a broken foot, and Larry Davis is playing uh, – Larry Davis. Uh, Thomas Davis <laughs> is playing with a broken hand. So, you know what? That's not full strength. You know, you need your legs to pass to rush the passer. and you, Right. You wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Broncos have injuries to T.J. Ward. Listen, neither of these teams are as banged up as the Seahawks last year. No, but, you know, a broken hand and a broken foot is – those are big time injuries. I mean, I think right, Chris Harris. Think and, yeah, everybody's banged brace, up. Wait, wait, wait. The big. brace is not covering the hand. It's just the forearm, and he's got hardware in there, so he still has his hand and wrist movement. And I think he'll be fine for tackling. So I don't think you're Thomas trying to Davis, tackle somebody with a broken forearm. <laughs> hey, dude, listen. You know what these guys do before the games and how they get shot up. Don't act like Jared Allen. Maybe not Allen so much, but he did get, what, three weeks rest now, okay? He didn't play in the championship. He practiced that week. So I think Allen will be just as healthy or close to Peyton Manning with his, you know, plantar fasciitis. So, look, either way, it's going to be fun. I definitely like Seth's, you know, ideas and and, and thoughts of the game and prediction. I think – I, I do think Carolina might be able to get a little bit more because you got to remember this great corners and they have a great front seven, you know, Wolf and Jackson and Sylvester Williams are beasts, but because of the zone read and because of the threat of cam running and Jonathan Stewart and Ted Ginn with a, you know, you know, a little, you know, handoff behind the line of scrimmage, different things they can do. The receivers have to play off a little. The safeties play off a little, switch a direction. And that one step, Steve Smith was saying this, that one step can give Kachery and Ginn and Funches a little bit of opening that you don't necessarily see just because of Cam being mobile. And the mis- Mike Shula, give him credit, as an OC, he's been brilliant this year. Brilliant. So just but watch the Denver, that. The Denver defense took out Gronk. They're going to take out Olsen. That's obvious. And then Ted Ginn, I don't, he dropped 60% of his deep balls. He's, he, it's a very hit or miss on his deep balls. And I, don't, I never was a fan of this Carolina offense. I still don't understand how they're playing this well with these receivers. I just don't get it. Kotchery, he was never really good until this year. Ginn was awful until this year. And now wait, he's wait. Kotchery so was well, good with my Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jets. He's, he's a, a role top. player. He was, yeah, he's, he's a, role, he's he's not a number one player. receiver. Yeah. No, no, he's, he's a number three. three. He's a number three. He's, I will yeah, admit so to that. I mean, he, I, I, the Broncos defense, they took out Edelman. They took out Gronk. I don't see – they were going to be able to take out Olsen and Ginn, and you're going to leave it to Kotri. I mean, that's the guy you trust with your offense. I, listen, well, look, I a lot of people you. have tried. A lot of people have tried. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Seattle Seahawks have a great defense, too. And Wait, don't underestimate the, the Panthers' time. offensive line, either. The Panthers have a good offensive line, too, so – Look, it's going to be a great battle. I think Denver's defense is not only their number one, but, you know, the corners make them exceptional, especially because of Mr. Ware and Mr. Von Miller. But offensive line is pretty good. And Cam and Jonathan Stewart, they, they'll be factors. They will be factors. So, listen, we, we, we're going to move along. Uh, thanks for the mm-hmm. call. And, and um, listen, it's going to be fun, man. Enjoy it. And, um We'll talk on Monday. Give us a call. We'll see 1750. We'll, we'll see if it happens, buddy. Enjoy the game. We'll do. You too. Right, Thanks, for call. Call. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. 
All right. I love it. We're getting involved, you know, and, and listen, that's, that's what it's all about. Predictions, opinions, because we'll get into it. It, it can go many different ways, but l- let's talk about this. 85, Ron Rivera was on that team. I watched the 30 for 30. It almost teared you up seeing Buddy Ryan. But, Ray, I don't care what anybody says. Not this defense for the Broncos or Panthers. Not the Seattle defense. Not the Raven defense. Maybe my steel curtain. Not the 84 Niners. Maybe the steel curtain. But the 1985 Bears for one season, and we remember it well, far was the most dominant defense we've ever seen. You you literally had 1.8 to like 2.7 seconds before they were on you like a pack of dogs. And I got to tell you, watching that video last night, uh, the documentary 30 for 30, I got hyped up for this Sunday game because they, the 85 Bears, and you remember Singletary, Fensick, Dorson, Dent, right. Dent, McMichael, Hampton, the Fridge, Hamp- McMichael, I mean, they yeah, were, they... just incredible. And Vince Vaughn was is one of the executive producers of it, so it was really fascinating. They did a great job. It's a must see. All football fans, Ray, you got to check it out. I don't know if you saw it or not, but no, no, I didn't see it. It's yeah, it's a must see, and you know, it gave you some insight to the Fridge. Dicka and Ryan never even talked. They didn't like each other, which we kind of knew, but there were some new stories to that. Um, the players, how much they wrote a letter to Hallis. I didn't know this. They wrote a letter to Hallis to keep after Neil Armstrong was fired to keep Buddy Ryan on as the DC, even before they brought in Dicka to keep Buddy Ryan on because they wanted to play for him and they loved him that much. So I thought that was fascinating. And, and George Hallis went into the locker room spoke to the players and said how proud he was of them for writing this letter and they could get to keep their coach, Buddy Ryan. Isn't that great? Wow. That's a, that's a classy owner right there. And also listening to your employees, listening to your players. What other, what other Super Bowls besides, you know, we have the, the Giants Patriots matchups were amazing. And the Tyree catch recently, you know, we had Santonio Holmes catch Give me some other moments or memories for you in Super Bowl history as we're talking, you know, 50 Super Bowls. And, you know, we've we've seen a bunch of them. You know, we're five years behind the Super Bowls, but we've definitely seen, you know, a bunch live, at least since, you know, 76, 77. Give me some thoughts yeah. and memories. What, 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 what uh, oh, gets you man. going with you the know, You know, I got to say that your guy – Lynn Swan is one of my first memories of just how dominant he was. You know, what is it, Super Bowl ten? He was the MVP. He had four catches, only four catches, 161 yards. So it's like every time Lynn Swan caught the ball, it was a bomb. And, you know, beating my Dallas Cowboys. So that that's obviously, that one's painful. But, you know, in retrospect, the pain goes away a little bit. I love <laughs> some – underdogs, you know, when, when the underdog does well. So, Doug Williams, remember that Super Bowl? We, we talked on the phone during that one. They were yeah. down 10 nothing. They were down yeah. 10 nothing, And we were like, uh-oh, underdog. the Redskins are going to get blown out. They're not going to be there. And then they scored, what was it, 28 points in that second quarter? Wow, that was that I think was he like had, a boom. Yeah, was it 28 or 35? He had the, hard, the highest scoring quarter ever. 
I mean, I that was, was 28 in that quarter, yeah. yeah, in that second quarter. So then it was suddenly it was 28-10, and that's a team that Elway was on the other side of that. So obviously that was a fun Super Bowl to watch, and, you know, and go through. Oh, uh, Doug then, was great. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got some other ones that, you know, really, you know, had some interesting ones. Like my Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, Randy White and Harvey Martin are the MVPs of Super Bowl Twelve. It's like, when did you give it to two people? And then when both of them are defensive players, right? That was pretty cool to see some recognition. I mean, and since then there have been some defensive players we recognize as MVPs. So, so you got to like that if, if you play on the defensive side of the ball. Um, what about that Tampa Super Bowl? I think that was fascinating to me. Yeah, just the stories. Obviously, the offensive lineman going AWOL. Um, you had Gruden. Yeah, Barry, right? He was in Mexico. Yeah, Barry. Yeah, he went to Vegas and never came back. He kind of lost it. But having Gruden go against his former team the year after, he takes over for the great Tony Dungy, who – couldn't get it done, but really it was his team and probably would have got it done maybe if he had another year and then had to win with the Colts. But just the Tampa defense, right? Sometimes you see these great defenses, but they only get the one Super Bowl. So now Seattle has won. The Ravens, you know, it was a different team that won years later, but that great defense right. only got one. The Bears got one, you know, and Tampa got one. So it's kind of fascinating that – you almost need more than just a great defense to get more than one. Because look at the dynasties, the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Steelers that got – and the Patriots, right, that all got more than one. They right. they had probably better quarterbacks in those teams, right? If you want to look at Dilfer, McMahon, and, um, and uh, Brad Johnson. So that was the difference. So those teams had good defenses, maybe some of them great. But they all had Bradshaw, Brady, and um, Montana. So it's very fascinating to see the difference. Here's the flip side of that. No, you're 100% right. Here's the flip side of that. (coughs) Sorry. Take the 1999 season and the 2001 season where you had the greatest show on turf and they barely win against Steve McNair and his crew, remember, Kevin Dyson gets tripped up at the, at the one-yard line. Yeah. And they barely win that game, even though Kurt Warner throws for 4-14 and two touchdowns. And then two years later, they stumble a little bit in 2000, and that's the year that, that the uh, Baltimore Ravens put it on the Giants. What was it, 35-7? to seven. If it wasn't for a kickoff return, the Giants would have been blank. But yeah. then they come back. Although that and, bad penalty, that bad penalty that was called. Yeah, but, I mean, 35 yeah, nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I get it if it's a close game, but they got whacked. No, no, I'm just saying, though, the Giants had that opportunity. I think they had picked it off and it got called back or something, a holding. Right. Or no, I no, remember. true. Yeah. True. But So here's the thing. So now you've got the greatest show on turf. They win that game in 99, but barely, the 99 season the two, in 2000, the Super Bowl. Then they lose in 2000. They stumble a little bit. And then in 2001, they're a 14-point favorite to this New England team that – has this backup quarterback named Tom Brady who gets in the game in week two because Marvin Lewis knocks out Drew Bledsoe. And then, remember, Brady gets hurt in the playoffs, and then Bledsoe comes back, and then Brady comes back, and they're a 14-point underdog. Think about how you would think about 
the St. Louis Rams legacy differently, you probably wouldn't think about the, the Patriots legacy because they've done enough since then. But you would have think, thought about the Rams' legacy a little bit differently if they had won that one too. Definitely. Right? You know, talking to your point about legacy, if they go two out of three, that's different from, well, we won one and we won one barely. You know, Kevin Dyson almost made that game more interesting. So it really comes – and that was by a field goal. That was a Vinatieri field goal at the end. It comes down to, you know, you have to be elite. You have, in order to be elite, I feel like you have to win multiple Super Bowls. And that's almost the burden that Peyton Manning is carrying on him because his brothers won two Super Bowls. The number of guys out there as quarterbacks that have won two Super Bowls puts you in a really elite, elite class. I mean, there's guys that have won one. Like you said, Brad Johnson has won a Super Bowl and Trent Dilfer has won a Super Bowl. But yeah. there aren't really any "quote unquote" mediocre quarterbacks that have won two Super Bowls. Well, let me you run know? down this list for you real quick, and let me see what you think. Because you talk about there's only five that have won two Super Bowls with two MV- two MVPs. So you have Bart Starr, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Bradshaw, and Eli. And with, Manning, yeah, right. Eli Manning, five Super Bowls and MVPs. And then other guys who have won two or more Super Bowls, you throw in Aikman. Plunkett, Aikman, and Elway. You know, yeah. Brett, remember all Favre's only got legitimate. Yep, all legitimate. Now Favre's only got one. Peyton's only got yep. one. Russell Wilson's got one. So, you know, and there's also Drew Brees has one. So Manning trying to get his second, at least it would put him in that category. I don't know if he could get MVP. You know, that would be fascinating if he did. He'd be you the You know, they give him MVP. If they won, if they won, and everybody was good, so like Demarius Thomas had 80 yards and, and a touchdown, and, and uh, the running back situation was split, and, and you had like a 70 yards for Hellman maybe, and maybe Owen Daniels had six catches first. You know, right, the quarterback yards. doesn't have to do so much to get the MVP. I think if it's a tie, the tie goes to, to Manning. If it's even close, they'll give Manning the MVP. I mean, assuming Denver wins and assuming somebody from Denver is going to win the MVP, it'll be Manning unless, you know, Emmanuel Sanders goes, you know, six for, for 200 and two touchdowns. Yeah, no, you're right. So, listen, let's, let's move it on. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame and these postseason awards. Give me your guys that you think are going to get into the Hall of Fame this year. Because I think we pretty much agree. Yeah, so I think you're going to have a maximum of five, right, and of the and current players, right? The probably Stabler will get in for the old-time guys. Right. So I think Brett Favre is a no-brainer. Chalk him up. I think Orlando Pace and Terrell Owens also need to be in there. So to me, those are three for three. And if Terrell Owens doesn't get in, it's because of politics, and that's too bad. So those three are in to me. And then you got the guys that have been kind of knocking on the door and huffing and puffing. To me, I take Marvin Harrison just because of consistent excellence. And then Kevin Green, also consistent excellence. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I was saying how Kevin Green, I went back, I reexamined the numbers. Well, I, I examined the teams to. he played on. Yeah, you, you said it. You called it. And, and you know what? My mistake, Kevin Green. He's third all-time in, in the Hall of and Fame. He's dominant. He was great with the Rams, great with the Steelers, and great with the Panthers. He was uh, he was incredible. To do that man. on three teams like that, yeah, that that's pretty incredible. Listen, I, mean, those are I, have, five. 
I have the same guys as you. My only debate would be this year, maybe Terrell Davis gets in over Marvin Harrison. So look out for that. And I think Ken Stabler will get in too. Um, I don't think you'll see, you know, Don Coriel or any of the, you know, um, old guys or the coaches and stuff getting in. I think it's going to be a year of the players plus Stabler. So I think it'll be six uh, total. I'm, there's one more uh, somebody for the senior committee. I forgot his name that he might get into, but I, I think you're going to see Kenny Stabler get in, which is long overdue and those guys. Now for the NFL oh, honors. Snake. The snake. Ah. Wasn't he? He was awesome, man. God bless his family. I thought he was a lefty, so that was that was extra exciting. For oh, I know. That lefty thing will will stay with uh, stay with you and our show forever because you're always going to give your your lefties supreme props. So MVP, I think everybody has the same guy for MVP. For me, without doubt, is Cameron Jarrell Newton. Counted for 50 touchdowns, just a dominant season. I like what Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Carson Palmer did, but it's Cam all day, every day. You you agree with yeah, MVP? No, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't even think that he should be unanimous. I mean, some some yeah. person just gonna vote for somebody else to make a stand, but it, it should be unanimous. Fifteen now, and I'm, one, I'm, all of that I'm, in a fifteen and one season. Oh, you know what I mean? Where where he was oh, up in many many games in the fourth quarter. Amazing. Offensive Rookie of the Year. You know, this is debatable. Jameis Winston, Cooper, Lockett, Gurley. I'm going with Todd Gurley because he had games that were special and more games that were special than any of the other guys. And he had to do it coming off of the ACL, not starting the season, but still getting to a Pro Bowl and having a pretty dominant rookie year and showing flashes of excellence that might have been higher than anybody else's. So I'm going with Gurley. I agree. The only person that would come close to me because of consistency is, is uh, Cooper. But he only – well, he played 15 games, and Gurley played 13. I think he started 12. Uh, Cooper was consistent, but but you're right. Gurley he dropped off towards the end. Yeah, he kind of dropped, he dropped off towards the end. So did Gurley, though. So did Gurley. Gurley, Gurley was great in six or seven games, and then he was okay in the last four, four or five. Now, now, defensive rookie of the year, this is hands down no debate. This guy could be up there for a defensive player of the year. Marcus Peters from the Chiefs out of Washington. He was a beast at corner, picked off Manning. That game where Manning got benched and the Chiefs, I think, had four or five interceptions on him. Peters was just a stud, and I think, boy, him and Barry – the the the, the, the uh, Chiefs have got a nice future, so Marcus They're Peters. They're good to go. Yeah, no debate there. This should be unanimous potentially. Yeah. Now, defensive player of the year. This one, to me, I'm all over the map. I think you have Chandler Jones, of course, J.J. Watt, Josh Norman. Some people would say Keekly. Now, look, this one is, I don't know, it's up for debate. I know for you where you're leaning. For me, I just – they made the playoffs, but I don't know. I feel like J.J. Watt, the first couple of weeks was okay, and then they put it together. I'm going to throw my vote for Josh Norman because I think he had a dominant season as a, as a corner. I think the Panthers' defense, but he, as a corner, to me, he, he was a ball hawk. This team gets turnovers and they score. They were the number one scoring defense. 
and Josh Norman was a big part of that. So I'm going to go with Josh Norman to make the defensive player of the year. So I hear where you're going. His D was 15, his team was 15 and one, but I think he had more help. He had Keekley and Davis. He had those those uh, pass rushers and, and Jared Allen coming over midseason. I mean that's great. I have to go with J.J. Watt. He started off slowly. He had 17 and a half sacks. His team was nine and seven. They had no business winning more than four games. They are terrible <laughs> on offense. They have nobody. And the DeAndre Hopkins, Foster watch him out. DeAndre Hopkins. No, no, they do, but he's a dependent player, right? He's a wide receiver, and he needs a quarterback to throw him the ball, and they dismiss Ryan Mallett, you know, midseason. And they have no quarterback. Now, they have a great, you know, offensive mind, let's say, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, how that, how that turns out. But, you know, Alfred Blue was their running back. They didn't really have consistency after – after Arian Foster went down. So he really needed – we really – and we called him out. We said, look, have you ever yeah. seen a guy who's supposed to be defensive player of the year who had less of an impact on a defense? They were getting smashed. Yeah, but did. you know what? Second half of the season, they turned no, around. he turned it around. Seven. So, yeah, I, I like J.J. Watt to win another. Coach of the year, I think we're probably the same. I, listen, I love what Andy Reid did. I love what Jay Gruden did. And you have Bruce to give Arians. a lot of- yeah, these guys' props, but at the end of the day, Ron Rivera, because people were talking about Riverboat Ron needs to be fired a couple of years ago, and this man with not the greatest roster, ladies and gentlemen, he, I mean, 15-1 and one is, I mean, at best, most people predicted them to be 8-8. Eight eight. This is outstanding, and Ron Rivera is the, the head of it, and kudos to him. Uh, he's my coach of the year, without a doubt. Yeah, it should also be unanimous. Yes. So two other minor awards, Offensive Player of the Year. This one to me, you know, look, when you give the MVP to Cam, Offensive Player has got to be somebody else that lit it up. And I love these quarterbacks, but I got to go with Antonio Brown. I thought about Julio Jones, but to me, Offensive Player of the Year has got to be Antonio Brown because to do what you what he did without Ben playing, what, four full games or three and a half, missing three and a half games, and he was getting passes from uh, – Landry Jones and Mike Vick, they couldn't even get him the ball. And this guy still was, what, second, I think, in in yards, only a couple behind Julio, and first in receptions. I mean, it's just – it's incredible. Antonio Could have made a run for Calvin Johnson's record. Yeah, Antonio is – If he had Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, he would have passed Marvin Harrison's record of receptions. He was seven off as it was. And also yards. Yeah. uh, Your boy's record for yards, Calvin Johnson. So do you agree you're going Antonio Brown? Yeah, you know, Russell Wilson's the only one that could potentially. But Russell Wilson did it over six games, and Antonio Brown did it over, let's call it 14. So, yeah, he's Offensive Player of the Year. He's the Fantasy Player of the Year. He's the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Player of the Year. (laughs) He's the AFC North, South, East, and West Player of the Year. Yeah, I'll give it to Antonio. All right, so wait, wait. Receiver some love. And then our final category is the NFL.com Fantasy Player of the Year, which I guess you could go with Antonio Brown, and stats would say probably yes, maybe Julio. But you know what? This one you could throw in Beckham Jr., or you could even go a little bit more obscure and say, you know what? Fantasy is about players that were picked up and wound up doing something that no one thought. So like a Devontae, Devontae Freeman – 
or my man from tight end, I would go with him, Gary Barnage. Gary Barnage. Now, wow. look, Brown, Brown's the obvious. Brown or Julio are the obvious, right? But Gary Barnage, for me, he made a difference on a lot of fantasy rosters because nobody, nobody thought this guy, who even who knew who this guy was. So, but yeah, I this Devontae break. Freeman, though. Talk about okay, Devontae, I know. Devontae was huge. Especially for the first 12 weeks of the season, this guy was tremendous. We have one more to do. Comeback player of the year. Don't, don't call oh, him a yes. comeback. Almost I've forgot. For years. Well, that's obvious. So I, well, beginning of the year, I picked Carson Palmer, and he would definitely be comeback in any of the year. But guess what? Coming back over in, from a knee, that's impressive. Coming back from lymphoma Hodgkin's cancer is absurd. And to come back like Eric Berry did as an all-pro, not a pro bowler, all pro. God bless that man. My man, back. go ahead, E.B. Yeah. And you predicted it. You predicted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, look, he, he, you start out as a superstar, and cancer doesn't take anything. Well, it takes stuff from you physically, but it's not It's not a knee. It's not an ankle. It's not a, you know, something that your motor skills. So, yeah, Eric Berry is, is great. I mean, great story, and, and go fight the fight, Eric. You know, keep cancer free we're all rooting for you okay it's time it is time it's time for Ray and Tay to predict Super Bowl 50 Woo! it's well, hype. I'm gonna take a stab at this one first man and to me well you know what I just thought of something we have we, we got predictions from the callers, so let's get the callers' predictions in first. Then we should stab at it. I bring it on. Let's see, let's let's see what the Ray and Tay. Yeah, we got fans that called in and they recorded their messages and they gave their picks. My name is Seth from Manhattan. I predict Carolina seventeen, Denver fifteen. Brandon McManus will have five field goals, and the Denver defense will keep it a game. Huh? Five field goals, and he'd be yeah. the MVP. Yeah, basically. That's, that's what, uh, you know, and Seth told us earlier. So that's a great call. We appreciate that, and nice prediction, Seth. He's got the Panthers in a close one, and then here we go with another one. Yo, what's up? This is Aaron from Boston. I got the Carolina Panthers beating the Denver Broncos 31-24 to in the Super Bowl. Let's go, Dab. Oh, we'll <laughs> dab it up with Cam. I like that. He's got some swag, young kids. Yeah, well, you know, I like it. Yeah, nah, you, you gotta love it. And last but not least, I think we got a young caller here. Let's check this one out. Hi, my name is William. I'm from New York, and my Super Bowl pick is the Panthers going to beat the um, Denver Broncos at thir- thirty-nine to twenty-three. Go Cam Newton! Enjoy the game. Wow, how good! And that's you know what? That's a legitimate prediction. I I, won't, right. I don't agree, but that's a legitimate prediction. Thirty nine twenty, it can happen. Not bad for a six year old who's a Panther fan, young William Truth, my uh, second oldest son, with his pick. You gotta like that. So Ray, look for me. <clears throat> this is where the game lies. It it lies in can Manning. What I said to Seth, can he get it to Sanders, Lattimore, your boy Cody? Yep, he's going to get some balls. Daniels and Davis in the middle. 
And on these slant patterns, can Bebe Demarius Thomas, with his mother watching, great story, can he break some tackles and take a five-yard, three-yard pass? Can he, you know, not drop balls? And can he, you know, extend, extend the change and get, get a small pass to a 15-yard game? Basically, yeah. Can he do that? That's one. Can they hold time of possession? Can, can Manning, can they, you know, get those third and sixes, third and sevens, which he's going to be in? Can he make it third and fours? And can Hillman and CJ change that? that? Those are the questions I have for, you know, for Denver on offense. For the Denver defense, you know, can they stop Cam and Stewart? Yes, they're going to, you know, with their secondary, they have a chance to stop Olsen. But when Cam extends plays, this is where any secondary can be had and beat. And we saw Antonio Brown do it with Big Ben with, to, to Brown with Chris Harris. Can those corners and safeties hold up when Cam extends the play? Can they stick with Kachuri and Funches for the alley-oop down the field and my man Corey Stilly Brown and stuff like that? Those things they didn't have to deal with with Brady because he can't extend the play. And Big Ben, he hurt them doing that. So I think Cam can do that to Denver's great secondary, where it's not just playing defense for four seconds. It's maybe playing it for six to eight seconds. So look for that. On the Panther side, offense, you know, can, can, can they really not turn it over? Cam, no bad throws. Can he get it to Stewart, Olsen? And can, you know, Ginn catch some of these bombs, which, you know, listen, everybody talks about his drops, but you know what? He also, he catches a lot too, you know, and the guy's been playing well. We got to give him credit. And don't forget about him on special teams where I think the Panthers have a huge edge over the Broncos. So I look for him to get the ball to his receivers. I look for their trick plays, their, you know, handoffs, their, you know, flea flickers, different things that they do, the running back, the wide receiver screen. And then on the Panthers defense, can can they get to Manning before he gets rid of it? Can Star Atuile and my man K1 Short get that pressure up the middle that will devastate Manning because he cannot move and he needs to go up in the pocket to plant that foot? So, you know, when you look at all of, the, all of these keys and I break down, the, you know, the stars, it's Keekly and Cam and Olsen, and then it's, you know, Manning, and, and, and I really feel Matt Sanders, even though he's going to might get a lot of balls, I think it's Demarius has to be the star. And then Von Miller and, and, and Ware and Talib. I guess to me, I think whatever Vegas goes from, they've been going from three and a half to four and a half, whatever. I think at the end of the day, the Panthers are the better team. And I know normally the number one defense beats the number one offense, and we've seen that in recent history. I think overall in Super Bowl history, it's nine and two, the number one defense. But to me, I think, and I've been going back and forth, but I believe the Panthers will win Super Bowl 50. Cameron Newton will be the MVP. I think he will run for 60 yards and a touchdown. I think he throws for two touchdowns. And I think he throws for about 280. Now, my debate is the Panthers winning, and I have them winning. I was going back and forth to 26-17 or 26-20. And 
Oh, it's just oh, it's just, don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm it gonna go with the line in Vegas. The line is four. I'm gonna nine. either way. Yes, yeah, exactly. It doesn't affect Vegas. It might affect the over under. I didn't check the over under, but I'm gonna go probably I guess with the under because I want to say twenty six seventeen. The Carolina Panthers win Super Bowl fifty, and they send the sheriff home with another loss. One and one three. three. In Super Bowl history, Eli remains the king at the Thanksgiving table, and we have a new, the dawning of a new day, a new athlete, a new superstar, a new quarterback, Cameron Jarrell Newton, ladies and gentlemen. Meet him, enjoy him, love him, and watch him dab on you, because it's coming. Whether you like it or not, the future is here. Carolina Panthers, 26-17. Hey, gotcha. All right. I, I, all right, all right, all right. Let, let, let me let me take a shot at this. So, <laughs> what you have here is a Carolina Panther team that scored thirty or more in eight of their last nine games. You have a Denver Bronco team that scored thirty or more twice the whole season. Two and week twelve, they scored thirty and thirty-one. So clearly, Carolina's a better offense. By a lot. Now, you flip it over and you say, who's the better defense? That's a lot closer. The numbers will tell you Denver's better. Carolina will tell you they're better. So the, the, the defense is close, right? So you pick the matchup that you think is the most important matchup, and I think it's absolutely the Denver D against the Carolina Panthers, and specifically what you're going to do with Cam Newton. Because I think that the, that's the secondary. With Tlaib and Harris on the ends, and, and Harris, you know, I thought Harris couldn't stay with Wes Walker with the shoulder. I thought he was banged up a little bit, but he's fine. Um, Chris Harris Jr. is the man, and Akeem Tlaib, they might have the best cover corners in the league. And I think that Ward, as long as he's not doing something crazy and getting himself a personal foul penalty, you know, uh, <laughs> Ward and Stewart up the middle are fine as safeties. And I think they'll handle – the receivers, I think maybe Teddy Ginn might break a big play, but I think the guy to worry about is Cam and also, uh, your boy, the, the tight end. Olsen. Uh, Greg Olson, right? So it comes down to Walker Williams and Jackson in the front, the, you know, the front three getting some pressure, but it comes down to the linebackers. It comes down to the Denver linebackers. So is Carolina, right? No knock on Carolina. Denver's linebackers are outstanding. So you yep. got Miller and Ware are your bookend three, four rush linebackers. And up the middle, you know, Danny Trevathan and Brandon Marshall up the middle. And I have a feeling that Denver is going to do its job. The Denver defense is going to keep this game close. They will not let Carolina get out to that 31-point lead that they did against Seattle. They won't let them score 21-24 unanswered. It won't be two years ago when Seattle blitzed Denver. So I think this is going to be a close game throughout. And in a close game throughout, I like Peyton Manning's head. He's been in three Super Bowls. He has 19 years of experience. He He never had a rifle, but he's got like a quarter of a rifle now. If he had half a rifle during his normal playing career, he's got like a quarter of a rifle. He's got like a BB gun. But you know what? 
the mind and the anticipation plus the BB gun, I think will be good enough to put points on the board. The Denver D is going to contain a very good Carolina offense, and I'm still, like Josh, I'm still perplexed at why the Carolina Panthers offense is is good because I'm not scared of anybody on that team except for Teddy Ginn, but he's got bricks for hands. So, you know, Devin Funches and and, and even Olsen, I mean, he'll kill you up the middle, but but I think you can contain him. So if they can spy Newton and keep him from converting, you know what's devastating? Not when you convert a third and three, but when you convert a third and 12. You know, when, when everybody's going down the field and Cam Newton runs for 13 yards on the third and 12, and you just take the air out of the defense. I think Denver, with two weeks to prepare, is going to be fine. And I just have a feeling that Peyton's going to manage and manage and manage and manage the game, keep it close, and in the fourth quarter, this kid, Brandon McManus, has a nice, nice leg. They're playing in San Francisco, in Santa Clara, you know, nice weather. It should be, you know, good kicking conditions. I have a feeling in the fourth quarter, you give the sheriff two minutes and 42 seconds, two timeouts, <laughs> down 23-21, and he drives for a winning field goal. And this is not wide right. This is straight down the middle. Peyton Manning wins. He goes 2-2, two and 24-23. Two, Denver Broncos saving, wow. saving enhancing going for Manning's it. legacy. You're going I'm for the going sheriff. The sheriff with a I wanted to go for the cycle. sheriff. I love the sheriff, but I couldn't pull the trigger on the sheriff. <laughs> the sheriff. The I knew sheriff first of all I knew I knew, out, I knew I knew you were gonna do that. Going out with a bang. You know, that was my Super Bowl pick for last year. Seahawks over the Patriots, 24-23. <laughs> well, there you go. So you just yeah. One year early. Okay, so you heard it. Ray, 24-23, Denver Broncos over the Carolina Panthers. Tay, 26-17, Carolina Panthers over the Denver Broncos. You have Manning as your MVP, and I have Cam Newton as mine. Wow. I love it. I love it. Uh, let's get it on. This is going to be a game. Now, you know this is hard because traditionally both Ray and Tay are AFC guys. We like the AFC, even though Tay is a, Ray is a Cowboy fan. We always root for the AFC. But this is, um, this is it. You're going for the AFC, and I'm going for the NFC. So strange as it may feel. <clears throat> now, look, as we're getting ready to end the show, real quick, National Signing Day. Amazing. We'll get into college hoops and, and NBA real quick in a second. But just real quick, the top ten recruiting, of course, Bama, they're number one again. They get it done with great defense. They get the corners, the linemen. Florida State, two, they jumped up, right? Ohio State was supposed to be one, and things changed after all the factors came in. LSU, three. Ohio State, four. Michigan, five. And they had the number one recruit, defensive tackle from New Jersey, Rashawn Gary. And your boy, Jim Harborough, man, he went all out. Had Ric Flair. He had Brady, Derek Jeter. Michigan just pulled out all the stops. And, look, they got a number five recruiting class. That's great. Six, Ray, they, they're doing it. Brought in another great class like they had three years ago with Kandichi and the boys. Ole Miss, 
So kudos to who frees Georgia, right? Kirby's over there now at number seven. You know, the SEC just keeps doing it. Auburn, they got a great wide receiver there at number eight. Number nine, Clemson. Uh, you know, ACC, they keep both those teams in the top ten. So we'll see Clemson, and they got a ton of talent coming back, even though a couple guys have gone pro. They, listen, they don't even need number nine with what they got coming back in Deshaun Watson. And then number ten, Ray, we got to applaud him. Our man, Charlie Strong, comes in. Nobody thought he'd have a top ten re- recruiting class. He got players that were supposed to go to USC, Florida, Baylor, uh, Texas A&M. Well, guess what? He, he made a coup. 31, something like that, going into the final yes. couple days. Amazing. And wound up number 10, where people thought it could be Florida or A&M or Baylor. No, it is Texas, the Longhorns. That was huge to me. And I think Texas football is back. Shaka Smart on the basketball end. He pulled up an upset this week. We'll get into that right now. So we'll kudos. To go down to Austin and just broadcast. Yeah, no, Ray and Tay live from Austin. Maybe we go. You've been there before to that South by Southwest. Maybe we need to go down there and, um, you know, and, and flex and just give Austin his love. Because right now between Charlie and Shaka, they're doing things. And speaking of which. You see his on the, on the comeback. Yeah, no, no, it's great. How about some of these upsets this week? You know, listen, they they happen, and they seem like they're always going. Look, West Virginia took down Iowa State. Texas beats Baylor. Um, You know, Maryland is looking good. Our Tar Heels lost Monday night, the earlier of the week, to Louisville, which, by the way, Louisville, Louisville, for this investigation of the uh, escort service, they put the self-imposed ban on themselves this year for the tournament. That's pretty big. You, you know, think that's that, one of those nothing? things. Well, that's one of those things where there's smoke, there's fire, and if you're uh, self-imposing a one-year ban, <laughs> what's the NCAA gonna do to you? You know, you're trying to get out in front of this. So I think they're gonna add a little bit more than that, Ray. To be honest, they might. They very well might. And then, did you see Pat Hayden is stepping down as the USC AD? So he came in there after the whole debacle with Pete Carroll and the whole Lane Kiffin deal, and he tried to settle the ship at Algeron and, and, and then ended up deciding to go a different way. Were you surprised at a how lot. sloppy Pat Hayden was? The whole drinking thing. Yeah, you know. And he, he's kind of the, the, the poster boy for doing things right, you know, the Rhodes Scholar and the football player. And the yeah, that's why I was shocked. Stuff. Very shocked. I think right? he was Very just shocked. frustrated, and he said, "Look, I maybe life as a civilian isn't so bad. You know, working for the <laughs> for the school and the academic life that's not the way to go." Hey, three upsets I got to ask you about this week, man. SMU they go down to Houston. Providence goes down to our boys, the DePaul Blue the Demons. Right, DePaul gets the win, and then Texas A and M. Loses to Vanderbilt last night. Wow. So, you know, you're talking about 8, uh, eight 11, and 12. 11. All losing. Yeah. yeah. All losing this well, week. Well, you know so, what? It was bound to come because one, two, three, four, five, you know, have all lost in the last two weeks. Carolina was, was trying to hold it down by not losing. But, you know, we had that one week where one – Three, four, five lost, plus eight, nine lost the week before. So 
you know what? Everybody's going to get right. bitten by the by the bug. So. throw in Kentucky, right? Not only did they lose to Kansas last weekend, which is no big deal, but then they lose to Tennessee. So they need a big win uh, this weekend against Florida. So that'll be interesting. But they, you know, at number twenty, they could be out of the top twenty-five, which has been, you know, that, you're talking about Duke. Kentucky hasn't been out of the top twenty-five for a pretty long time either, with uh, the, the the run that Coach Cal has, has put together. And um, so, you know, just, just interesting. Plus, even South Carolina, they lost, um, you know, which we said that, you know, they hadn't really beaten too many teams, even though they were 19-3. They lost to Georgia. So, look, some good college basketball games this weekend. It'll be fun to see, you know, what goes down. Obviously, we spoke about it earlier this week. Villanova-Providence will be fun to watch. Michigan-Michigan State. Um you know, I, I think it'll be interesting, Virginia against Pittsburgh. So it'll be a good weekend to get you ready for the Super Bowl. But let's talk about the NBA, Ray, because it's heating up. We've got basically all-star weekends coming up. So I think next week teams just basically have two games left, maybe some teams three games left, uh, you know, before the All-Star break. Obviously, Thursday is the last game only for, you know, two teams or four teams, the Thursday night game. And then everybody goes to Toronto. And so <clears throat> this weekend, the prelude to the Super Bowl, it's really the N- NBA Super Bowl. Because we've seen the Warriors handle the Spurs, <clears throat> handle the Clippers, the Bulls, the Cavaliers. But this might be their greatest matchup because you've got Westbrook and Durant, coming to town, Superman and Batman, to battle the Golden State Warriors. And by the way, Curry and John Wall put up a show, 51 and 41 the other night, which was amazing. I don't know if you saw it, but, Ray, you would have loved that game because John Wall was not yeah, backing yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, so the highlights. Yeah, he was not backing down from nobody. Three-point shooting contest. Oh, amazing. Curry, 11 three-pointers. But what do you think about OKC? And I don't like Drummond being a dunk contest, even though he took care of the Knicks last night. I don't like the big guys in the dunk contest. It's just my personal thing. But what are your thoughts about Saturday night, man? Let's talk about OKC, Warriors, ABC. Who are you picking? Uh, You know what? People don't give the Warriors enough credit for their defense. And I think that their defense schematically – and their rotations, and their individual defenders are great. And really, in this new era of basketball, where it's about spreading the ball around, hitting shots, finding the open man, they have the right formula on offense and defense. So, I will say, though, that basketball is the one sport where great offense can beat great defense. And individually, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook are about as good as it gets, and one-on-one, maybe one and two in the league in terms of you can't guard me. I mean, Steph Curry's right up there, too. LeBron's right up there, too. But those two are are pretty much unstoppable. Now, sometimes they take bad shots, you know, fadeaway 22-footers. But when they are on, they are hard. So I'm going to say that the Warriors are about due for another loss, and I'll say – that the OKC Thunder give it to them. Wow. And, again, it's no big deal. It's a regular season loss. Yeah. They've, they've already gone through Cleveland. They've already gone through San Antonio. They went through the Clippers. They went, you know what? 
I think the Thunder are waiting for them behind the bushes. <laughs> they're gonna give it to them. They're gonna give them the business, and they're gonna. You know win. what? I, I agree with you. I agree. OKC. I think they look. The Warriors have been hungriest team all year, but I think OKC is hungry to make a statement because they couldn't do anything about it last year in the playoffs, and they're finally looking healthy and they're playing good ball. Although they struggled against my Orlando Magic the other night, Durant had to win that buzzer beater. But I think, uh, yeah, I'll go like one eighteen, one fourteen. Uh, you know, 30 and 30 for Batman and Robin. Curry puts up another 40-point game. It should be fun. Again, listen, enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back Monday to review everything. We'll talk Hall of Fame, the awards, the commercials, the halftime with Coldplay, Beyonce, Bruno Mars, and again, Ray, 24-23. The Sheriff gets his second Super Bowl, rides off in the sunset, Broncos over Panthers. Tay, going with the new age is dab on, baby. The Panthers win over the Denver Broncos. Cam Newton gets it done, 26-17. Enjoy it. Have a great weekend. Yeah, have a blast with your friends, your family. Party you know, take a break from your diet. Throw down. <laughs> and enjoy the game. Thanks for listening.